Cortex, a show where we deep dive into Cortex Prime RPG mechanics, talk with folks from around the community, and even get into a little Prime yourselves. I'm your host, Kirby, and today we'll be talking about the struggle contests and what they look like in your next game. But before we get to the show, I do want to give a shout out to our sister podcast on the D20 Radio Network. Me and Steve talk RPGs. They discuss a wide range of RPG discussion, bringing on a variety of guests to include myself and JT for some ungodly reason, and occasionally do some actual play content. You can find them wherever podcasts are, and if you check them out now, they either released or will be releasing an episode where they chat with Egg Embry about Kickstarter and crowdfunding and its impact on the RPG industry. And in latest news, uh, something I had to re-record as I was editing this episode, uh, because it's it's that fresh, uh, we we finally got a Tales of Exadia release date, which is March 29th. Uh, you'll be able to pre-order now on the Tales of Exadia website. Should be seeing more coming from Fandom and Cortex down the road. And with that, let's get to the crux of today's show: the contest. Contests typically differ from regular tests in Cortex as they usually involve another character. It's a very dramatic event wherein one character picks up dice to do a thing and effectively asks, who's going to stop me? Already, this differs because they don't know what they're up against like they would with normal tests. They themselves are the ones setting the difficulty. Now, no one has to step up to the plate, and when that happens, our character just gets what they want and they move on. Things get interesting when someone does want to challenge this. The opposition picks up a dice pool of their own and tries to beat the difficulty. If they lose, the contest is over. The initiator gets what they want. If the opposition wins, things bounce back to the initiator. It's like a game of tens at this point. So what's next? Well, you have two options. Either you just give in, define your own failure on your own terms, and get a plot point. This option does mean that you can't immediately start another contest, and we typically want at least some breathing room between contests anyhow, but it also means you don't get a complication or stress. The other option is to pick up dice again and try to beat the new difficulty. If you win, the opposition has the same options. If you lose, the contest is over. This mechanic comes to the fore typically with more important characters. While minor GMCs or extras might get involved in a contest, we usually want to have this to be a struggle either between our main uh, PCs or between a PC and a full-fledged GMC. And so minor uh, GMCs or extras are usually involved in tests rather than contests. If they do get involved in tests, uh, then we get into the ganging up mechanics, which I'll talk about here shortly. Now, this isn't necessarily physical combat. When we start a contest, we want to go in with a clear idea of what we want out of the contest. To name a few examples, uh, one character wants to sneak out of their parents' house to go to the party. Their big sister tries to stop them. One character wants to kill the big bad evil guy who is vulnerable. Another PC wants to convince them that it's not worth it. And yet another example, 
is uh, two characters can agree on whether to try to save the ship or save themselves. As you can see, the intentions here are very well intentional. A good attention behind your actions color how things escalate, how things turn out, and our options uh, for dealing with contests mechanically. It's easier to find one success or failure when we know where we're trying to go. My own advice on this is that I recommend trying to be more flexible about what you want. When things are getting heated and you're picking up dice as your character unsheath their blade, it's far more interesting to state that you're going for the MacGuffin as opposed to killing a major GMC who just happened to beat you there, standing in your way. That character dying could be a result of your success, or what success looks like could be taking a more interesting turn as the contest escalates. More than that though, it's a giving in aspect. When the intention of the contest is just a kill, it can be harder for the character to give in and describe their failure. And that's the same for both the GM and the player. GMs tend to be more likely, I think, in my experience, to give in or just roll with the punches. But it can sometimes be hard when you hit a dramatic moment with a GMC, decide to handle it as a 1v1 contest, and then to just lose that momentum of the story that your table was building together um, just because of a couple bad rolls, right? But, you know, that's potentially a separate discussion on uh, authorship and uh, how the table decides to uh, handle the GM style and what they want out of the story. In any case, when you open up the intention like our example where the contest is more about getting control of the MacGuffin, it leaves room for other forms of failure. This might be an opportunity for a recurring antagonist if they aren't already, for example. Now, you might say that if the character didn't want to die, they should just keep pushing, keep trying to escalate. And sure, that's still an option at the table, but contests aren't necessarily meant to be a slugfest. Even when a contest is being held for a literal slugfest, uh, we don't want to devolve into trying to just constantly take out uh, other characters from the scene. When you lose a contest but then give in, you're risking getting taken out if it's high stakes or if the complications or stress piled up. And if being TO'd isn't on the table, that's still stress and complications levied against you. We don't have to keep contests going until someone gets TO'd by a die stepping up beyond a D12. In my experience, is usually the GM who tends to relent before a player does. As a player GM, that's where we really get to thinking whether back-to-back -back contests is what we really want here. We also want to make sure we're bouncing the spotlight around the table. Maybe we have our party split in contests or tests going in multiple scenes. So when one scene ends, we switch to another player in another scene and let the previous player think over their options. Maybe the player in the earlier example lost the contest, gained a doubt D8 complication, and decides after thinking that that maybe they'll lean into the doubts about whether the MacGuffin is really what they need or not, or if they can go another way about this. And that there begins to open up an opportunity, right, to uh, de-escalate this from being a slugfest, or at the very least take it into a more interesting direction, which isn't to say like an ultimate showdown between a character in the big bad evil guy isn't already interesting but you gotta you have to kind of weigh like what you really want out of the pacing and out of that specific scene 
and um, probably what you think is going to happen next, right? Uh, because if you take on stress and complications now, well, you're going to carry that into the next scene, which might leave you hurting, right? If you finally claim that MacGuffin in that earlier example, and suddenly the dungeon, the structure, the cave, whatever have you, begins to fall down around you, you now have to get out, and now you have all the stress or complications built up. Uh, so I, I recommend trying to be more forward-thinking about uh, how much you're willing to push or how much you're willing to take. We've talked about how contests might look with a largely 1v1 perspective, but what happens when we're talking about multiple contestants? How do we run that? From a GMPC perspective, I did mention earlier that you're not typically doing contests against extras or minor characters, but they can still play a role in the contest. They'll typically give their best die, and an option for the PCs would be taking them out with their effect die uh, compared to the extras or minor characters' assistant die. Uh, this works a little differently because the contest doesn't actually have to be over for this to happen. The player character just needs to beat the current difficulty uh, in order for that to just happen, right? It's just a side effect of what's happening. When it comes to multiple player characters, you can also take this approach, but when it comes to multiple PCs in the same contest, I like to figure out how they're trying to help. You can see this in action in like episode two or three of Broken Palisades, which was the actual play we did. I like to figure out who would be the leader in such a contest. Then I like to figure out whether or not the other PCs need to be directly in the contest or not, because I typically hold the same stakes on them if they're going to be in the contest in an insisting manner because they want the same thing that the leader of the contest wants uh, well they can potentially be taken out uh, now that's different than if we have multiple pcs throwing in on the contest who want different things uh, bear that in mind this is from the perspective of they're they all want the same thing and they're just ganging up on the gm pcs so, for example, if our barbarian initiated a contest where they're trying to break into a door where a bunch of mooks are holding it against the party, barring them from entry, and the wizard says they help, I say, okay, how? In this scenario, to me, the barbarian should be the leader. They came up with the idea they're already picking up dice for it. The wizard might say that they're going to cast a spell to enhance the barbarian's strength. To me, that's not the exact same thing as pushing against the door. So to me, I would say that they should just test create an asset representing that spell and use that to give the barbarian assistance in her contest. So that's two ways off the bat on how they handle multiple contestants. Ging up rules like GMPCs or taking a step back and letting them test to help, uh, which I like to do because it colors the situation more. Now, if the wizard describes himself as pressing up against the door too, then sure, I, I would say give your best die in the pool for the barbarian contest. Um, so in some games, I usually say that if you're assisting someone giving assistance die, um, some games I have specified a trait set where that comes from rather than the best die in the pool. Uh, so that's an option for your games too when you're GMing or designing a game. As I mentioned before, I have often explained it comes at the same risk as GMPCs, and usually when I say they, they're TO'd um, for PCs, I tend to favor them a little bit more, and I just say that they just can't participate in the contest anymore, or in the scene until after the contest is over. 
there are normal plot point spending rules still apply, you know, if they want to still throw in and have the plot points to spare. Uh, but I usually make them wait until after the contest is over, then they're right back in, uh, depending on how high stakes the scene is, etc. Now, a third way here is when we have multiple PCs and GMPC is contesting because they all want something different from the scenario. Jock wants to explore the cabin. The nerd wants to just fix the car and go home. The outcast GMPC wants to walk to the nearest gas station. The PCs are getting in on this as the contest is starting. I usually don't charge for the interfering in the contest rule. I haven't had this come up a lot or I don't think I've had this come up at all, but uh, I would basically just have all three of them roll against each other. Ask me in a year when I've had a few of these scenarios pop up, which, side note, I would love to happen, but um, I might have a different take on that, uh, and, you know, maybe I'll revisit this episode in a, in a year, uh, especially uh, as we start seeing some of the uh, official and unofficial Cortex games coming out and seeing how different people are playing with this mechanic. To briefly cover it, interfering in a contest is when you have an ongoing contest that you weren't already a part of, so you spend a plot point to get involved. I actually haven't ha ever had that happen, personally, I don't think. That might be a mix of how I present contests in general, and then just gaming with PCs who just aren't used to budding in with that, maybe. In any case, uh, interfering comes with risk and you're usually interfering because you want uh, something neither of the current contestants want, at least not exactly on their terms. So from our previous example, we might have the teacher's pet who interferes in this argument, and he wants to fix the car, but wants the gang to ask for help, not just break into some random cabin. They argue that, you know, they swore they saw a light on, someone's in there, don't just break in, let's just knock on the door. So this is a bit of what the nerd wanted, which was to fix the car, and a bit of what the jock wanted, uh, but on their own terms, the jock wanting to uh, just kind of barge in on the cabin. And their reasoning for that, maybe the light went out and, you know, they don't believe the teacher's pet for some reason, because it's a horror scenario, and who, who makes logical decisions uh, in horror scenarios? Regardless, when you're running contests, you may have your own narration preference. You might wait until the contest is completely done before narrating how things played out. I personally prefer to, when I remember to, narrate the contest as it's escalating. So we'll hit the point where someone's deciding whether to give in or pick up dice again. And it's when they pick up dice again that I typically describe how things look based on the last results. The ninja, who is winning contest so far, flips over the table and throws some stars at the pirate after taking out a pirate extra with a swift roundhouse kick. Our pirate decides to pick up dice again, and they now have a little more color to the situation, and they can decide whether they roll the exact same pool or try a different approach, maybe bringing a new asset into the mix or describing how they leverage the singing ship complication to their advantage. Some GMs might not like doing this um, or might just ask for a reroll. There's maybe an argument to be made like if you're changing up your pool, you may be changing up your intentions and maybe you should be giving in instead of picking up dice because you're, you're technically not even going for the same thing anymore. You've informally given in, so why not make it official, etc. Um, I have definitely done that on and off air, I think. I'm, I'm currently in the middle of reevaluating that as I finally have a 
uh, Cortex campaign started up again. Um, so that's another thing I might personally uh, revisit. But some of this, in my opinion, just kind of falls back on GM preference. Yeah, I, I feel that way for a lot of Cortex mechanics in general. Uh, in any case, uh, that's contests in a large overview. We talked about how it works mechanically. We talked on how the color contests and decide on how multiple characters might interact. But let's talk about the other big C, which is consent. You may have noticed that by pure rules as written, this puts a lot of power in the winner's hand. And that could be problematic when we talk about player agency. This is a concern that many GMs have when they're approaching the game for the first time from something more traditional. I'm inclined to say to just relax and just let it happen, but I also know that it's not that easy, especially when you're just a new GM in general. And then on the player side, there's a lot of players who can maybe roll with a bad guy describing their triumph over them, but what happens when it's another player? Often, other games have left a very sour taste in their mouth when it comes to PvP because, frankly, a lot of games don't handle it well. It's in my opinion that Cortex can and does, but something worth discussing at your table, and sometimes everyone just needs to see an action before they can really make an opinion there. Talk it over as a table, not even as a GM to the player, but just as another person at the table trying to make sure y'all have the game you want. Me personally, I've been wanting to do a drama where there's a lot of dramatic PvP arguments and love triangles, etc., but that's not worth having one player feel some type of way about losing contests and then watching their character force to do something. And to be fair, scenario pending, it could be highly problematic. So reach a consensus at the table when you start and be open to redraw or redraw lines when it comes up mid-campaign. This is another reason why I encourage broadening and allowing more wiggle room when it comes to what your character's intentions are going to a contest. That covers my thoughts on contests. As a reminder, if I didn't already drive it home, contests can be used for more than just combat, so keep that in mind too. For the last leg of the show, I'm just going to be breaking down a scene from Into the Badlands that will have some minor spoilers. I just intend on giving just enough contests, and this is going to be something from Season 1, Episode 1. I'll go over how I think that scene would look at the table as a contest, and if you want to drop off at this point, well, thank you for listening, and I hope you tune in next time. As always, you can find our socials in the show notes. So, Into the Badlands. Now, I want to be clear, this isn't the prime Into the Badlands game that I promised Steve and Steve on their podcast, Me and Steve. I still owe them that. For the example, I'm just going to default to pre-written treat sets from the prime book, and I do want to do a proper priming of Into the Badlands in my own take, uh, but just not right now. Another note here, if this sounds good to y'all, I, I would happily do more content segments or episodes where I break things down, and I don't intend on just doing TV or movies, as I know some folks aren't caught up or are into that medium. Finally, I should note that if I do more of this in the future, it won't always be combat related or combat heavy. It just so happens the scene I picked is. Now, for those who don't know, Into the Badlands was a show that aired in 2015. It was a post-apocalyptic setting some 500 years into the future. There's a feudal society that has grown where barons control monopolies over various commodities and reinforce their rule, not with guns, but with high-octane martial arts action that they either perform themselves or through the use of dedicated soldiers. There's something to be said here, I think, about shifting away from guns that would allow an even playing field for peasant rebellions to 
shifting to pure skill in martial arts and controlling who gets to learn those skills and ensuring they're loyal to you. But that's not discussion I'm having here. The contest I'm about to describe is a fairly simple contest. In my opinion, uh, I actually broke break up into two contests. Arguably, it could be handled a different way. None of these examples I'll give now or in future episodes have to be done in a specific way. It's going to change depending on GM style, scenario, judgment, pacing. Uh, pacing is probably the biggest thing with me. But yeah, to set the scene, our scene is laying the pilot episode. It's nighttime. We see our minor GMPC, Nez, watching our player character, Sunny a formidable clipper who walks down the main street as the rain hammers into the muddy street. Nez and a couple extras step out. Our PC sees them in a cloud white limo, the engine purring. We actually don't see too many vehicles in the setting, but here's one for effect. Inside that limo, which if I think about it's more like a punch buggy, uh, we see the shadowed face of the Widow, a rival Baron and in our case a major GMPC. Now our gaming table, I put it to the player as to what her character, Sunny, wants to do. She picks up her physical, fight, formidable clipper dice, as well as an outnumbered specialty die and rolls a contest. She wants to draw the Widow out from the limo. She rolls a dismal 7 and decides to buy the third die to bring it to 11 and takes a d6 effect die. As a GM, I decide to pick up dice to challenge this. I built the pool for the Widow using Nez's best die out of his minor character traits, which rank to a d10. And then I just throw a d6 to represent the rest of the extras. Is a spotlight scene for Sunny? Sure, but I don't want to take too much time away by introducing action order or rules for running a mob. Keep it simple. And dramatic. I narrate Sunny taking on the extras who sport bowler caps and cane swords, describing this as Sunny's acrobatic dexterity as he encounters the onslaught. I then roll. The widow gets a 12. Sunny doesn't give in though and picks up dice again. This time he largely rolls the same pool but decides to use move instead and our player is going to spend another plot point to turn the dark rainy night itself into an asset. It's ultimately Sunny Street Satherall. With a 13 and a D8 effect die, our player knocks out the Buller Hat extras. When it comes to contests being gained up on, the contest doesn't have to end for assisting uh, characters to get knocked out. The player just needs to beat the difficulty and have a large effect die. Nas is the only hench person left. Him and Sunny go at it. The Widow rolls a staggering 18 and we see both Sunny and Nez hit the deck. Our player doesn't want to give in, but things aren't looking good. She chooses to hinder Sunny's distinction, uh, this role, and doesn't beat the difficulty. The Widow dishes out her D8 effect die as exhaustion stress, but she doesn't get what she wants just yet. Now in this case, I could go either way. I could pick up dice and start my own contest as a GM, but I want to get a pulse of what the player is thinking and serve it up to them. They say they still want to figure out why the Widow is here. I tell them just pick up dice again. A new contest picks up, and this time the rolls pan out with Sunny winning. He takes out Nez with a cut at his throat. The widow gives in. And I talk about how she leaves the limo, dressed in a black ensemble, and clenching her cane. Now the player wanted to know why she was here, to draw her out. So she isn't just going to escape in her vehicle. Uh, she comes out, like I said, and even congratulates Sunny on putting on the show. 
It's then that the player and I begin to roleplay things out. And I not only give our player what she wanted, but I also take a reveal I had in the back of my pocket, a confirmation of what another player character claimed earlier in the session, that the widow is Atherum. And uh, the further reveal here is that she's willing to pay Sunny off. Now, the widow didn't win the contest, so our player here is free to tell the widow to just shove off Sunny's not for sale. We can imagine another alternate scenario where the widow won out. The widow wanted Sunny to turn coat in some capacity. We still want to be mindful of player agency here. In a scenario where the widow wins, I'd feel out how my player feels about leaving with the widow. But the player reminds me that Sunny just wouldn't leave his love given an earlier reveal I dropped. I won't spoil the pilot. I say fair, and our player offers the widow a promise to deceive and lead our person of interest straight into her hands. In this scenario, Sunny's bot. Now that might sound awfully like the player just gives in, and I would say that would be a valid way a player could describe themselves giving in and failing, sure. I would also say that because I went in with a broader, flexible intention that Sunny betrays the Baron as opposed to Sunny leaving with me, the Widow, uh, still got what she wanted and the players got to keep their agency. We have to remember that even though as GMs we might be comfortable with our GMPCs losing their agency on good roles, your average player might not be. We get to control a whole world out there. Our players usually have just the one character. That's it for the example. I hope you liked it. As I said, there's any number of ways this scenario could have been handled. For me, pacing is a big thing I considered, which is why I didn't go into action order or make Sunny separately fight a mob while the widow watched from from her limo. And then actual gaming table, my interpretation of the scene would probably have led to me cutting to a different player in their scene uh, between the two contests that we just saw Sunny go through in the original scenario. I look forward to hearing about your contest over Twitter or in Discord. As always, you can find anything PBC related in the show notes. Later. Later.